just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you. All right, near-death experiences. This is one of those topics. I've, I've always loved this kind of stuff. Um, it's interesting to me. But I've noticed that, you know, when we see these things that are outside of our understanding, you know, uh, supernatural, above science, which studies the natural, and this would fall outside the realm to a large degree. When we see these things, uh, we tend to go with that uh, confirmation bias thing. In other words, we hear something that lines up with what we believe, we want to say it's true. We hear something that doesn't line up with what we believe, we want to dismiss it. And that's true whatever, wherever you fall on this thing. Well, I like to just explore and talk. And if you know, if, if you believe it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. But here's my question. Are there common things in these experiences between completely unrelated people from different cultures, different backgrounds, different belief systems that make you go, okay, there's a commonality here. There's a thread that might be convincing, that, that might tell us something about the afterlife, about heaven or hell, or even about God. Well, that's the topic today. Uh, and there's a book that is available today, just dropped today. Uh, and so, um, a lot of you are going to want to get it. So you can order it. Today. You can have it here in, in your hands in a, a day or two or three, depending on your Amazon delivery service or wherever you order. The book is called Imagine the God of Heaven, and it is by John Burke. Uh, and he is the author of, what was the first one called? Imagine Heaven, right? Yeah. Imagine Heaven. Okay, so this is a follow-up. And, you know, we're, the first one we were looking at whether heaven exists kind of thing. Uh, what, what can we learn from near-death experiences, if anything? This one is, what about the character of God? In other words, these people that have near-death experiences, are they seeing anything consistent? Uh, and does it line up with Scripture would be the position that John and I come from. So, fun conversation. Judy, good to see you today. Anybody else watching live, feel free to jump in. Chat is open if you're watching us live. Uh, otherwise, as always, we appreciate your kind comments. Uh, you can even disagree. I'm good with that. But if you're mean and nasty, I'll just delete it. <laughs> That's my rule. <laughs> I'm not afraid to say it. John, great to have you on Life Today Live. Hey, thanks for having me here, Randy. Appreciate it. All right. Did I set you up properly? Is that kind of what the angle you're looking at with these near-death experiences is trying to get yeah, to the and, character? Yeah. And, you know, as we talked about uh, a month ago in the in the first one, I was an agnostic and a, and a skeptic. I didn't believe in God or Jesus when I first came upon these and um and there was enough evidence to me as as a skeptical engineer I, I i studied and worked as an engineer to make me say huh okay maybe i should be more open to this <laughs> and 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 that was actually what got me then reading the bible and seeing that oh there are actually answers here and i came to faith in christ and for over 35 years I've studied over a thousand of these near-death experiences. And my question has always been, how do the commonalities, not, 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 not the one-offs, people can always have one-off mm. things that they say. And, you know, as we said last time, I, I, I don't advise people to get their, their views of what's to come just from one story, you know, or, or two stories. What I'm looking at is 
What are they commonly saying? And then how how does that fit with what God has revealed throughout history in the scriptures? And, and so I wrote Imagine Heaven, like you said, as it's really a theology of the life to come. It's like, what has the scriptures told us? And then what are these people saying and how does it align? In this book, um, I'm really looking at the, the story of God throughout history and the character of God. And I'm trying to show, which, which I think it's an incredibly compelling argument, actually, um, through 70 people who had these near-death experiences where they were clinically dead. I mean, no heartbeat, no brain waves, yet they came back after some minutes, some hours, and from all over the world. So, you know, we, we talked before about, you know, this Hindu manufacturing engineer and, and how he describes the, the city of God, just like John describes it in Revelation 21. Um, I have a, a Rwandan imam, uh, a, a guy who, you know, dies Muslim, and yet he comes back saying that this man of light and a robe with a beard with holes in his hands who says <laughs> to him, I died for mankind. You're among those I died for. Never deny it and tell it to everyone. And he comes back at his burial and everybody's freaking out. And he said, Jesus brought me back. He's here. Now, he is today an Anglican priest who has had seven <laughs> attempts on his life. Mm. Because he's still in Rwanda and he won't shut up about Jesus. <laughs> But you also, you know, I have I have testimonies of uh, a woman in Tehran who sees the same almighty God. And they know this is God that Santosh from India saw. And he says to her, I am he who is. Hmm. Well, that's what the God of light said to Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai and and, you know, says, who are you, Lord? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am who I am, Yahweh. And and on and on and on in Hong Kong, in uh in Australia, professor in Australia, um people all over the globe are seeing and experiencing the same God of light who is love, but but the light is like they say thousands of times brighter than our sun, but not hard to look at, mesmerizing. This is not an impersonal force. They cons consistently say this is this is a person who is personal and knows them better than they've ever been known. Hmm. And in his presence, they never want to leave. Hmm. Now, interestingly, he get, he gives many of them. He gives them a life review. They see their lives for for what it is, and he sends them back. Um, he you know he he says you still have a purpose on on earth. He sends them back. Some of them come back seeking God. Most of them, when they seek, they find. Mm. And, I, and I show that throughout the book. Occasionally, there are people who don't. They, uh, and, and I like to point this out, that this is the same God of light who revealed himself in Acts chapter 9 to a man who was persecuting and killing Christians, mm. if you recall. His name was Saul. Mm -hmm. And this God of light, just like in the ears, near-death experiencers are seeing around the world, appears and he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. Mm -hmm. Now, important to note, Jesus doesn't tell him the gospel. He doesn't tell him what to do. He says, you'll be told. And then he sends a man, Ananias, 
to explain the message of forgiveness offered through Jesus. And Paul had a lot to lose. Everything. He's a well-to-do Pharisee. So, so he still had a choice of whether he would follow Jesus. And that's true of these near-death experiencers as well. All right. There's, okay. This just raises all sorts of questions. Boom. <laughs> right? I know, right? But it's fine. So Drop the bomb. from uh, a scriptural standpoint, okay, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So to me, that puts that whole idea in play. <laughs> you can be dead and brought back to life. Now, it's extremely rare. I've never seen it. I know people that have claimed they've seen it, usually Pentecostals, and usually I doubt them, you know. Um, but it's, we know it's possible, right? Right. Uh, and right. I'm talking about a physical resurrection back to this earth, not some uh, spiritual resurrection or future resurrection. I'm talking like you died and then you got up, <laughs> and, and you know. And that's always hard for us to really grasp because we view death as, as very final. Obviously, God is not. Uh, you've also got... Um, like you said, Paul's, Saul's experience, he became Paul. Um, but here's, here's the question, because if you look at God's character in Scripture, uh, you know, there is the role of judge. Uh, there are people when they see even just angels, their first response is terror. Um, and then you've also got the acceptance, the warmth, the not wanting to leave the presence. Uh, what? Is there any consistency, you know, um, in in who God is to these people? Because it seems like absolutely Christ- okay. So you're right. So if a, if a Christian dies and comes back, I would think that they would be like, yeah, I didn't want to leave, but I had a purpose and that kind of thing. A non-Christian, though, I would think it could be a very frightening experience. Well, and so. I think I think this is part of what has confused Christians about near-death experiences. But that's why I I also like to point out that, um, you know, God is the God of all people. And I trace. So so imagine the God of heaven is a theology of God. It's it's the tracing of the history and the story of God. And he is the God who is in love with all people of all nations. You know, Genesis 1 starts, it's a love story. It's we were created for relationship. We rejected that relationship. Genesis 12, he makes a plan. He raises up Abraham and Sarah to become a nation that will bless all nations, right? And then you see this throughout scripture. He's the God who speaks to and of all nations. Jesus comes, he lays down his life go tell it to all nations. He wants all nations to know. And then Revelation 7, John is taken to heaven and he sees all nations, tribes, even languages, all languages there before the throne. And then there's a great wedding. It's a love story, Mm -hmm. right? It's a bizarre, mysterious story. But, But that's what I'm trying to do as well. In Imagine the God of Heaven, I'm trying to Here's the thing, Randy, all of us are finite, right? So we put God in a box. It's <laughs> it, God is in the box of our imagination, yeah. whether we like it or not. And what I'm trying to do is show that God is is far more on one side, mysterious, mm-hmm. powerful, glorious, sovereignly in control, has a plan. I mean, all these big, mighty words in Scripture when you hear how people who claim to be in his presence describe them 
it it expands it, it blows the wall of your box out mm. it expands your your understanding of god and in that sense hopefully your trust of god but on the other side of the box is god is far more relatable personable even fun humorous mm. Yeah. Things that we don't often let God out of our, our narrow constraint. Yeah. And yet that too, Randy, is in scripture. And I show it. It's in scripture. Yeah. But we we kind of keep them in whatever box we have them in. Well, when you hear through the eyes of 70 people from every continent, the consistency of describing, yes, both the, the power and the glory and the mystery and the majesty of God and yet at the same time, the just how known they feel in his presence, hmm. how that love is, is fascinating because they say that word doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't do it justice, you know, and, and on and on. They describe the joy that sets them into ecstasy. That's they say things like that, hmm. you know, not like joy, like we feel it's it's a whole, it's on a whole different level. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean. It's got to be, <laughs> you know, uh, just from the mechanics of the book, how did you decide? Because you mentioned 70 stories, but you've interviewed, you looked at thousands over your lifetime. How did you decide which stories go in the book and which ones don't? Well, I was looking, I was looking for, um, I kind of am biased toward those who don't have any motive. They, they couldn't be accused of a motive. Um, so I have a lot of people who, uh, by talking about these stories, it hurts them professionally, hmm. uh, a Hindu manufacturing engineer, like that, yeah. there's no motivation there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a guy who was a Rwanda, an imam in Rwanda, and yet he's talking about Jesus now. Well, that gets you death threats. Right. There's no motivation there. Right. Um, uh, commercial airline pilots, spine surgeons, um, CEOs. Of you know the fastest growing pharmaceutical company in the world, yeah. What 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 would be the motivation? So I I, I kind of bias that way, but then I'm also looking for in in this book, I was really looking for those who were conveying what it was like to be in the presence of God. So I, I wanted to make sure they had credibility. Also, they had clinically died. I really try to stay there. Mm -hmm. You know, people sometimes ask me about other you know, supernatural experiences. And, you know, I, I don't know what I'm really focused on is this is evidential. Th this is evidential to me because um, when people clinically die, first of all, they say they're up above their bodies and able to observe what's going on in their resuscitation. And when they come back, that can be verified and that has been studied and the percent accuracy is uncanny. Mm. Second, blind people see and say the same things when they have a near-death experience. So for instance, I have Debbie, um, who was who was blind in, in the book. And when she has her near-death experience, you know, she's uh, she's up above her body and she's watching her mom run in to help, you know, to help her. And when she comes back, she was able to describe what her mom looked like and that she was wearing a robe that was a dark color. And her mom said, yeah, I was wearing my black robe. Uh, she then travels to this place of exquisite beauty and, and meets her grandmother, who she had not known 
on this side of life. Mm. Her grandmother had died when she was really young. And yet she's able to describe her grandmother to her mother when she comes back. And her mother said, yes, that's right. Except you're describing her like when she was 30, <laughs> which is also a commonality of what people who've had near-death experiences say. Then she has a, this experience with this God of light and love, and she describes this God just like sighted people do, which is this light is coming like an explosion of light, but not like, like we would experience. This light is love, and this light is life, and it's palpable. And how and and then blind people also consistently say and that light of god was emanating out of everything giving life to everything out of the trees out of the birds mm. out of the flowers out of everything mm. even out of the people now how would a blind person ever get that idea and consistently blind people say this that the light of heaven comes out of everything and yet isaiah 60 isaiah said that in the old testament that there is no sun or moon in, in, in the, the life to come because the glory of God is its light. Mm. John in Revelation 21 says, there is no sun or moon in, in heaven. The glory of God is its light and Jesus, the lamb is its lamp and the nations will walk in that light. And that's exactly what people are saying all around the globe. And, and why would blind people say that? Because they would have heard light shines on things. Yeah. not through them and out of them yeah so there there are all kinds of um and and in in imagine the god of heaven and in, in chapter two i write about science skeptics and near-death experiences yeah. you you'd love that chapter <laughs> yeah well oh, and, and actually that's what i was going to ask you about next i want to show people the book again real quick this is imagine the god of heaven by john burke go get it now it's just out today uh i have i have a copy so i beat you to it but you can get yours quickly and it's a it's fascinating. It's a lot of fun. But here's so I was going to ask you about the, you know, because you got you got doctors and a lot of and doctors, you know, doctors are smart. Uh, if they're not, you don't want to go to them. Um, but they, you know, they they tend to be heavy on the science side of things. And and I and I don't want to put God in opposition of science because I don't believe that for a second. But they they tend to lean on their own understanding right heavily and, and they have to so i'm not faulting them um and then you have outright skeptics you know people you know who just don't believe in god or don't don't believe in this kind of thing what happens when they run into something that is beyond their capacity to explain or even understand well i mean i have for instance uh dr ron smotherman who's a neurologist and a psychiatrist right he got stabbed 13 times mm. and 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 he said right before the 14th it was like time stopped and there before him was an explosion of light he said all i can describe is imagine being five feet from a nuclear explosion the very source and he said it was just roiling with energy he said but but what it was roiling with even more is love mm. And as he told me that, he, he starts to choke up. Yeah. And then he starts to describe these nine characteristics, which I go deeper into in the book, that it instantly imprinted themselves on him. Infinite love, but also knowledge. He said, 
I, I saw God's knowledge as a, as a universe filling a, a library filling the universe, and He wrote every book, and then His power, which He said was just indisputable. I mean, <laughs> like the atomic bomb blast of power. Hmm. He said authority made me think I would do anything He would say because I knew it would be right. He said, um, kindness, imagine the kindest person you know, and he's a thousand times more kind than that. Hmm. That's what he experienced. Hmm. And he said, the joy, and, and he just, he choked up again. And he said, the joy, it put me into ecstasy. I can't even think about it, he said, without just being overwhelmed to this day. Yeah. And then he said, and humor, you wouldn't expect God to show up ready to just laugh, and yet... <laughs> There is a quality of God that is 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 joyful and mm. full of laughter. Mm. And, and he's not the only one that said this. And I chronicle many that did. And that throws many people off. But I, I like to point out, who do we think gave us all of these pleasures we experience? Mm-hmm. We think we created them. We created ourselves. You know, laughter is one of the highest forms of communication, actually. It's a very subtle and in it, and you know, the Proverbs told us laughter is good for the soul, right? Yeah, yeah. And so why would we think the creator of all these things would somehow be less than we are mm-hmm. and less experiential of them? You know, he put all these things in scripture and I, the book is full of scripture. He is a relational God. And, and, and he, in Jeremiah 3, he likens his relationship to us like a like a parent to a child. Mm-hmm. You know, he calls Abraham and Moses his friend. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I tell you. Um, but he also feels about us like a spouse with a beloved spouse. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Jeremiah 3, he says, I wanted to treat you like my children and give you this wonderful land, but you turn from me you were unfaithful maybe like a like an adulterous wife and then he takes hosea and he makes him act out this whole (laughs) prophetic thing where his wife keeps prostituting herself and he says love her and take her back because that's how i am toward Mm -hmm. you yeah yeah right and so what i'm what i'm showing is this god these characteristics of god man they just melt your heart Mm. a couple others that ron said purity which I think he was describing the holiness of God. Yeah. He called it, he's so pure, he's so innocent, but he's not naive. He said that purity was like this canvas on which I could see what I'm not. That's wow. what he said. Wow. And then the last thing he said is, and you know, he's so humble. He said, if I had the qualities he had, I would be so proud. You know, he's a doctor, he's <laughs> right. traveled the world. Right. And he said, Again, breaking down in tears, but he's so humble. He's huh. so humble. Huh. Well, Jesus said, you know, if you're burdened, if you if you if you're weary and you carry heavy burdens, come to me. Let me teach you. I'll give rest to your souls, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Mm. And so, all these things that we read about in Scripture, they come alive uh, as you as you hear them illustrated through the eyes of these people in God's presence. And it just makes you fall in love with the Lord even more. So, okay, to that point, uh, one one other gentleman that you uh, is in your book, Captain Dale Black, 
um, and I interviewed him here. People, you want to look up that interview? It's it's a very interesting one. Um, that experience when he was young changed his life forever, and he's an older man now. You know, um, how many of these people that have this type of experience are like from Saul to Paul? Like it it changed everything about them. A lot. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you you know if you read Imagine the God of Heaven. You'll see like about about half of them. And and by the way, half of them also had visions of of, of, of a hellish place mm. and a place they mm. saw. And sometimes I find that when when people cry out to God at the last minute, he lets them see where they were headed mm. and to see his grace and his goodness. Like this this one um, another commercial airline pilot uh, who, who I interviewed Jim Woodford. Um, he was an agnostic right to the end. He was a very wealthy man. He had a horse farm and he, he had a, an airplane and a boat and 19 British sports cars, never prayed to God in his life. He said, I didn't need him. Yeah. Why should I worry? And yet his, his wife was a, a faithful follower of Jesus and praying for him all the time. He 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 has a, an opioid overdose because he had Guillain-Barre, which is a very painful disease. So he accidentally took too many. And he said, you know, when you're dying, his head's going to hit the steering wheel and he realizes he's dying. And he says, I've never thanked God thinking this was all my doing. And he cries out, God, forgive me. And he said he meant it. And he has first I talk about, you know, I show what he explained of a hellish experience and God rescues him. And he's walking with these angels, one which he knew was his guardian from his conception. And then I told you, God gives him a, a aerial flyover view of the holy city, <laughs> just like Santosh described, but also just like he gave Captain Dale Black an aerial flyover view, like, like they had all, they had flown into big major cities all around the world. And, and Jim said to me, he said, you know, I believe that God loves to delight us, yeah. which reminded me of Psalm 37, four, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm. And, and he comes down and then the angels show him, um, they, they said, look, look, Jim, and across this meadow come these three horses and they, they were they were horses. They were real horses. And he said, I'd never read the Bible. I had no idea that Jesus comes riding a horse. <laughs> now, there are a lot of things that quite honestly, Randy, when I first heard them, you know, because I, 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 I've i been a pastor for 30 years. I, you know, I know the Bible well, but there were a lot of things I kind of, kind of put in the, well, probably metaphorical maybe, right? And yet the more of these testimonies I've heard, the more I realize. No, you know, we think this is the real world and that's a little more fuzzy, but right. that's actually the real world. And this is the fuzzy shadow one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and scripture tells us that as well. Okay. And um, God loves, he loves to delight us. And I have story after story of even people who don't deserve it. And that's the thing. It shows you the goodness of God. Yeah. Well, th that would be all of us that don't deserve it yeah. really when you get down to it. Okay. Um, so many more stories we could go into, uh, but I'm just going to have to point people to the book. 
uh, Imagine the God of Heaven. Uh, you can also go to imagineheaven.net if you want to jumpstart it there. And they've you've still got the let your publisher know you've still got the pre-order up. But it ended yesterday because the book's out now, so you can get it. But the website's still yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got the word in. Got to change that now. Yeah, yeah right. Um, I, I, at the end, at the end of the day, you know what? And and I always come into these with with I think a healthy amount of skepticism. Uh, not Which that I I'm, do too. By the way. Yeah, I know. I know you do, and that's what I appreciate appreciate about you. I, I I don't doubt God, but I know you know people are people, and and also. We just sometimes we describe things that we can't fully comprehend in different ways, which can be a little confusing at times. But at the end of the day, the the goal is when we God came to Earth, Emmanuel, God with us, he sent His Son to you know save the whole world. He didn't send Him in to condemn the world, but He sent Him so that the world would be saved through Him. And yeah. I think if we hold to that thread, whatever the story may be, um, if if we hold to that thread of truth, then then we can enjoy these conversations. We can maybe learn a little bit more. Um, I don't know. It it when someone gets to the end of the book, what what's sort of the bottom line thing that you want them to walk away with? Oh my gosh! I want to trust God more. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? I he he is what I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you'll say. Yeah. He is what I've always wanted. I just maybe didn't fully realize it. <laughs> I, I think that's the goal. And I love it. John, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Anything you want to add before? Did I miss anything? I, I think there's a lot of stories we didn't get to. Santush <laughs> is great. And by the way, if he mentioned, John mentioned, uh, you guys, the, the, our previous conversation, it was on the broadcast show. So if you go to lifetoday.org, you can find the broadcast show with him. He tells the story of Santush in detail, which is fabulous. But again, get the book. You can read it for yourself, along with tons of other great stories. Anything you want to add before I let you go? Well, and you're going you're gonna to get a complete theology of the God of heaven. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're going to see, this is, this is what the scriptures have said about God, but to expand the box of my imagination so that I trust him more and more, you know, that is the goal. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it will, yeah, that's my prayer that it will help others fall in love with God as much as me hearing these stories and studying this in scriptures, just increase my love for him. You know, it, the thing about the experience, uh, the experiences is, you know, you can you can read uh, about a place you'd love to visit here on the earth, you know, but until you go there and experience it, you, you really don't get it. You know, you can read about marriage, but until you're married, you don't fully understand it. And I, I think a little bit of this is, yeah, we can read about um, God in, in scripture and, and that's sufficient. But when you experience it, it's just different. Well, yeah. And think about, let's say I I decide I want to go to Hawaii and I read in a brochure, Hawaii is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I talk to three friends who talk about, oh man, when you're walking on the beach (laughs) as this golden sunset is setting over the most turquoise water you've ever seen and you're seeing dolphins playing and this, these huge mountains of green and up, up above and volcanoes. And you hear others describe similar overlapping things and your imagination expands and you're like, okay, 
Now I get it. And that's what I think. And I, I think God is giving us these testimonies for such a time as this. Yep. He, you know, Randy, when whenever evil increases in the world, God increases his testimony. Mm. You know, in when when the Holocaust happened and World War II and evil the evils of Nazi Germany are coming against the the world and trying to exterminate the Jewish people. Lo and behold, 1948, we discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls and how mm. how much the scriptures have been preserved for thousands of years. And then the rebirth of Israel, which I also talk about in, in the book, just as Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 66 foretold. And I believe that in our day, as we are seeing more and more of evil seeming to ramp up and confuse and destroy and pit you know, race against race and nation against nation. I believe God is giving more testimony that no, I am the God of all nations and I am the God of history and you don't need to fear. You need to keep your eyes on me. Yeah. Well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It's his. He ain't losing this one, Uh, but he gives us glimpses. And and I love that. Uh, Thanks again, John. This is, I got to go, but man, I could, I could talk about this forever. (laughs) So thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Thanks, Randy. Thank you guys out there for watching. Hit the share button. You know somebody that's going to enjoy this conversation. And pick up Imagine the God of Heaven wherever you get books. You can read it for yourself. And most of all, God's not hiding. He wants you to know him. And you're going to, the more you know him, the more you're going to love it. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live.